0: Thank you for listening to this talk, produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Hello to everyone. My name is Elle Freak and I'm the Assistant Curator of Australian Paintings and Sculpture at the Art Gallery of South Australia. I would like to begin by acknowledging that we're recording this talk on the land of the Ghana people, the so Aghsa Ghana Yutunga Uwindi, Agsa stands on Ghana land. Today I have the great pleasure of speaking to an artist, that I have admired for a very long time. (laughs) An artist who is a local sculptor, experimental filmmaker and really a leading figure in the development of the feminist art movement and funk art movement in Australia and an artist who's very much still practicing um, and her legacy is really ongoing. So the gallery recently acquired an iconic series titled This Woman Is Not A Car and it consists of ceramic Holden sculptures as well as an avant-garde film with the same title. And this significant acquisition was recently acquired uh, through the generous support of the Lorraine Hossack uh, Fund, and it is now the subject of one of our SALA exhibitions. So I am speaking about the South Australian-born artist, uh, Margaret Dodd. So welcome, Margaret. Thank you. <laughs> um, I thought it would be nice to begin, Margaret, by talking about really the making of this series, which has now been acquired by the gallery. You know, we've spoken a lot about how it was made in a real period of change in society, um, and it really does capture that revolutionary moment, particularly Mm. where women were repositioned in society, but it's also a very personal body of work. So I wondered if you could take us to that beginning place, and talk about the context within which you made this work.
1: Well, yeah, I I really did start making ceramic cars in America in California um, as a student. Um, though I already had well had been an art teacher before in Australia, so it was a progression. And I wanted to get into sculpture and and, and explore more art possibilities um, at that stage. And I had a one-year-old child at that point. And it was very inspiring and that opened up the possibilities that somehow never opened up in Australia, in particular in South Australia. I don't know what it was like anywhere else for a woman who wanted to be an artist. Um, So when I got back and I was making cars and I was a bit sick of making all these different cars and, you know, portraits of people's cars for them and things like this. Um, So I thought, what's very Australian? Well, we called it the Holden. Mm. The original you know, 48215 FX Holden seemed to be uh, a very good place to start because it was such a, a kind of um, a fraud in a sense, but it was really an American-looking car. adapted for Australian conditions, a bit more modest and not so flamboyant as in American cars. Um, and I just thought there was a lot of potential there to kind of create meaning, you know, about Australia. So that's why I started with Holden's. I was also really interested in filmmaking because I'd, I'd, um, I'd seen Maya Derin's films, specifically Meshes of the Afternoon, which, mm. which Im- immediately made me realise that you, you didn't have to make narrative dramas. You know, mm, you, could, yeah. you could make experimental films and they were really important, so that was exciting. Mm. So, yeah, and I'd seen that in Holland in the early 70s. Yep. I've been making food pieces out of ceramics, yep. you know, piles of baby holding food mm-hmm. and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, um, the media resource centre let us run, go to the film school um, for 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 summer classes, and I did two 16 millimetre film classes.
0: Right. When was that? In
1: mid 19 no, early 1976. Yeah. I came home and I wrote a script about an animation. Mm-hmm and applied for some money from the Australian Film Institute, which was then the funding body. Got some money and then wrote a script. Um, and then you come against the industry, which is really nar- about narrative drama. Mm. And I thought, wow, well, I can combine narrative drama with a sort of car animation. So I started making the cars. And, um, yeah, I was sitting... I, I started them in probably 1976 at the... Latest, um, and and then kind of finished them all. Most of them were finished by the end of 1977. Mm. So you know, there was a bride, and there was a ravaged Holden who'd been pulled apart, and there was a hoon Holden, was <laughs> a yep. wedding cake, for, you know, for the um, bride yep. and groom.
0: The baby and Holden. So
1: in a sense, you know, the kind of the text was written in ceramics, mm. but. Um, the way of making it turned out to be actually making a little narrative, not, not a drama exactly, but a narrative film which enclosed a film within a film, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then that kind of a very rambling script emerged that would have probably taken about two hours to,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> two hours to kind of watch. Um, and as the process went on, it just became kind of more and more focused on one housewife, one house, lots of kids... Um, and a day in her life, really. Mm. And because of the surreal aspect that I'd sort of picked up from Maya and of course, I have a very big art history background as well. Mm. I just um, thought, well, here we go. This is where you make the one that, you know, pushes the envelope and you let the woman's kind of nightmare take place, you know, mm. in, in this context of a service station where you drive in you know and you get leered at and then you know oh will we serve this woman you know we've got our heads down in the motor of an FJ holding, and, mm-hmm. and um, yeah and the the service station sequence follows that so that was all filmed by 1977 but, then, but wasn't filmed yeah was sorry, the go bit, with the cars the ceramic cars
0: yeah until later when you could Get more funding. Well, I ran, a,
1: yeah, I ran out of money by that yeah. time. And it only had two and a half thousand dollars really, and nobody got paid really.
0: Mm.
1: Only labs and people like that got paid, and they were usually paid late. I might say I saw quite a few letters amongst my archives about you haven't paid this, you're still over $300. During that year, I also had a really bad time. Are we talking about
0: 77 in particular? It was 77, yes, yeah. it's all
1: 1977. Yeah. Because I was on a different trajectory. And by 1978, I was playing drums in a band. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's like having a family, you know, having, playing drums in a band. And then I think it was 79, I got a job at the Centre for Aboriginal Studies in Music and got really much more exposed to Aboriginal culture and, you know, for elders who came down and they drew and paint and sang and danced. And mm. it was pretty amazing. And there was a couple of Aboriginal bands in the um there and they liked practising at my place because there were two big rooms and a drum kit, you know, <laughs> so on. Yeah, so I was distracted
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, for a while, but also I just really was exhausted from making a film without a budget. Yeah, you know, like people having to cancel because you know when you set up a go to the phone box and set up a kind of whole shoot, mm-hmm. and then one key person says, oh, I've got a job um, at Prepper Studios or something," you know, like oh, we can't do it today. <laughs> i to so go yeah. back to the phone box and ring up again. So that's how, you yeah, it was made. And, um, but in the end, I'd, things were changing again. And um, I thought, I've got to finish that film now. And uh, I think pretty well at the same time, I was doing a big piece at the film, at uh, the um, Festival Centre for the 1982 right. Art Festival of Arts. So that kind of was all happening at once. Mm-hmm. So I went to Sydney... I settled down in the editing, you know, suite with a couple of editors, including me, and, um, and 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 armed with a bit of money, with strings attached from the Australian Film Commission, and we 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 actually um, edited the film. I came back. We shot the cars and the wedding cake. You know, with mm. being stabbed and <laughs> and all the car pieces that fitted into the service station sequence which also already existed and put it all together and it came out in 82 Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and was um was premiered at the Chevelle cinema in in Sydney in Paddington and the Sydney filmmakers co-op which was full of feminists and radical filmmakers
0: yeah what was the response undertook
1: the um undertook the distribution yeah. yeah yeah well It was sort of very mixed reception. I don't think the problem problem was seen by the women. that They didn't think the woman was enough of a a leader. You know, feminism needed leaders, inspirational people, you know, just like football needed these really fantastic female footballers, you Mm -hmm. know. They wanted, um, women looked in a kind of powerful and different kind of, way or saying something whereas I was going very internal I was just making a film about how housewives in isolated suburbs feel um, about their situation you know I've been having to stay at home and having to look after the kids and not really having a car or if they did like she did it's kind of a utilitarian sort of car rather
0: You've mentioned Obviously, that was that very fruitful period where you were in America and mm. you felt very motivated mm. by, you know, the, what was happening around oh, yeah. you. yeah, there were inter-
1: very interesting films being made by artists in America yeah. too. and know. publications. And... Yeah, well, William Wiley and um, Robert Nelson made a, a film called The Great Blondino, which was very kind of symbolic, and The Great Blondino... Was based on a guy that walked across Niagara Falls on a tight rope, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that one ended up in the Australian Film Archive, so I don't know whether it's still there. They did a mm. big purge some time ago. So yeah, I don't know, but yeah, this, and um, their wives made films too. Like, you know, Robert Nelson's wife, um, Gondra Nelson, made, with Dorothy Wiley, William Wiley's wife, made a film called Schmiergunst. I saw that in Amsterdam too, I think. Right. Um, And that was all about, you know, mess, housework, you know, grubby stuff, cleaning toilets and, you know, all the things that women do in houses, you know, and and especially at that time. And the frustration you could tell faculty wives, you know, felt
0: Mm.
1: at being relegated to the domestic stuff.
0: So when you returned from America and then you came back to Adelaide Mm. and you were settling in a house in Holden Hill?
1: We weren't really settling there. Um, what happened is that the university had um, a contract with the housing trust that they could rent out these houses to people coming from overseas. Mm-hmm. So we had Chinese neighbours who were you know, academics as well. It seemed like a, for a long way out of town. It was on Lyons Road out at Holden Hill,
0: mm-hmm. ironically.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we I made my first Holden. In.
0: Yeah, uh, made your first Holden in the bedroom of a... Of a house in Holden Hill. Yeah, yeah. It, it suffered
1: a fate, yeah, created by neighbourhood kids getting into the,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> the spare room studio, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, though I probably fired it because I never, I never wasted anything.
0: <laughs> and so, what was that experience like for you there? Did you have your own car at that? Well, point? I
1: reco- I'd gone from being in an environment, of, you know, like with artists all around me and academic people and. Progressives and, and, you know, revolutionaries and all these sort of um, people in Davis and a very supportive and interesting community of artists who all were interested in each other and all kind of bounced off each other and supported each other and shared rather than the competitive sort of thing that I noticed in Australia at that time. It was sort of like, you know, one, you had to climb over somebody else to... Mm. Become noticed, or I don't know. The teaching was different.
0: When you were in California, you were studying under Robert Arneson, but you also exhibited with him and mm. um, saw him in his studio and were making work alongside. It happened very other.
1: quickly. Uh, I made yeah. this little fake funk track, which is down in this show, and it was a kind of a double illusion. It was like a vehicle that was actually made out of clay. But looked like a stuffed animal, you know, a stuffed toy. <laughs> yeah, and he he liked that. And so when I asked him what I should do next, he, I'd had been doing other sculptural things. He said, um, "I'll do my ceramic sculpture course," you know, and and so I went for it and made all these American cars, mm-hmm. Cadillacs and old Oldsmobiles and LaSalle's and 1934. Well, they were all cars that I saw around the place, you know, and drawings of them. Or they were owned by somebody I knew. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And um, it just sort of took off. And um, he he included me as, I think, the sole woman, actually. This was a bit of a problem, I feel. Um, But um, I was, they had this show um, in San Francisco with um, his students, and I was included. And he kind of, he even he sees it as quite a key exhibition because it, it was kind of um flaunting the Californian aesthetic, you know of kind of more stoneware brown, heroic kind of clay Well, um, not even call it heroic, you know more sort of arty domestic mm. stuff and he wanted us to be making art and be conscious of what it meant to be making art rather than making pots and uh, yeah, so.
0: And this was really the beginning of what we now know as the funk ceramics movement. Yeah,
1: well, when I got there, he'd already been making uh, funk toilets, which um, looked pretty amazingly gross. And he'd made, you know, a hello lover telephone, which I can't even describe on there, really. You know, typewriters with red fingernails. And a lot of these pieces ended up in a show in New York. But yeah, so it became, it jumped into the kind of surrealism. And 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 also pop and funk, which mm. funk was kind of a bit scatological, very uh, pro- you know protest art in this sense, but protest against against the ceramic kind of um, academy, if you like.
0: Yeah, it seems mm. to me, I mean the fa- my favourite quote. Which Arneson said was the motto of Funk Ceramics, which was "Down with good taste." Yes, for me that really sums it up. You get he it, so certainly
1: stuck to that. Yeah, uh, that, well, and I think I probably did too. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've also I also love quoting you, Margaret, when you said that it was a rebellion against brown pottery. Yeah, um, meaning that it wasn't something you know that working with clay didn't mean that it had to you had to produce something that was refined or necessarily beautiful but that it could be political and it mm. could be personal and in fact you know it should be so there's another function to mm. to that work you coming back to australia and starting this body of work and yeah. then before you had even finished the film, so you were still making the ceramic Holden sculptures for the film, we then held an exhibition here at the Art Gallery of South Australia of your work mm, in, that, the was 19... in 19... that was in 1977,
1: August 1977, yeah. the Link exhibition. That's yeah. right.
0: Did you want to talk a little bit about that exhibition?
1: Yeah, well, that coincided accidentally with the women's show, women's art show, which we had been trying to rustle up a kind of women's um, art register.
0: You were part of organising the event as
1: well yeah. as exhibiting. Yeah, well, as, you, as I said, this was 1977. Yeah. And I was having a pretty big year. Yeah, so I was involved in the organisation, but it was more at the beginning. And then Dick had invited me to do this link show in 1976. So i have been working on that as well. And it opened around the same, very close to the same time. And they, we got a, a write-up in the Australian... From Peter Ward, and um, unfortunately he picked out a few artists, including me, and really featured them and headlined them, and and the women's show was huge. I mean, it involved filmmaking, performance, poetry, mm-hmm. photography, painting, mm-hmm. weaving,
0: mm-hmm. across sculpture, across the state. It seems over 400 it was huge. women were involved,
1: it w- and it was un unselected. You know, it was yeah. whatever people wanted to put in. So you know, pre medal and put in. Some you know hangings and uh, other people did you know weaving and all sorts of all sorts of so many different things and people came from interstate you know some of the filmmakers that sort of kept on the were emerging at the same time from that film school in Sydney. Um, yeah, and
0: I guess here we had the Jam Factory emerge and these. Well, Dick really Richards had a lot to do foundation. with that, you know,
1: um, as well. Yeah. He, he was one of the founders of the Jam Factory.
0: And so were you making your ceramic sculptures in the Jam Factory in St. Peter's yes. next door to where the women's art movement was organising or, Yeah, the we show? were
1: organising the women's show, but in 1976 um, I was already, because I wasn't living at home where my, my kiln was, Yeah, I was actually working at the Jam Factory.
0: So the the exhibition that you had at the art gallery in 1977 included much of what we've included in this display now so we've got the ceramic sculptures we've got the film we've also got works by your contemporaries including a series of photographs by doug nicholas that document the filmmaking process
1: yeah doug was fantastic because he just went everywhere with us and you know lots of we went a lot, in a lot of different places, you know, so it was a big job.
0: Mm, and it was all um, filmed in Adelaide, but then...
1: Well, well it was filmed in Trot Park down south, and it was tr- filmed in mm-hmm. Virginia, and um, some stuff was filmed on Middle Beach. Some, was, some, which didn't hit the actual screen, was filmed at Buckland Park.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Some was filmed at beaches, you know. Um, so, yeah, we had to... I spend a lot of, you know, the time getting ready to make it, you yeah. know,
2: yeah.
1: Um, finding service stations that were right, you know, and, or, and would let us use them, and would be able to be quiet enough that we could, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's how we found the place at Virginia, while we were looking probably for a beach.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're running out of time, Margaret, yeah. but...
1: So what, what else? I think the other thing is what's going on now. Um, exactly, yeah. Women are now officially out of the house, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. And still, you, know, you still don't get paid for being a mother at home. You have to actually go out and be a childcare worker if you want to look after children and get paid for it. Mm-hmm. And we have to be home. We can't stay home and combine being at home very easily with, the, with a career it's really hard work you still end up doing most of that <laughs> I'm ashamed to say and um, as someone pointed out recently um, well not that recently but if you don't include women's work what they do in the gross domestic product then you're not counting it it counts for nothing so it doesn't get um, any respect or value You know, it's still unvalued work so in that sense, we haven't come far enough. You know, yeah. it's an unfinished revolution for sure.
0: And I think that's exactly why this series and the whole body of work is still of such relevance to today, and why it's still being, yeah, looked at so closely. You know, mm. in the last few years, you've had a lot of attention around, you know, your current work, but also a lot of people have been looking to this early work by you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and most of that was, I, I think. It started with the Fran Festival, for so the Feminist Renewal Art Network. In and
1: I think that was something to do with what was going on at Sydney Film Festival. Yeah, With yeah. Um, Sue Charlton, yeah. who actually curated that whole group of women's films and that show of mine. It was her idea to get the pieces over there.
0: Mm, so Susan in Charlton Sydney. curated an exhibition at Cross Arts in yes. Sydney, and then that also came to ACE Open in Adelaide.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and then then the curators at the Art Gallery of South Australia saw all this work that they
0: <laughs> had <Yeah>. on loan.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we've <laughs> in had the place. works,
0: that's right. We've had the works on loan many times over many years. Yeah. And going through all of our files and the process of acquiring the body of work now, we've noticed that we have um, various curators and directors have been in contact with you since the early nineteen eighties asking if you'd be interested in offering the work to the gallery so that we could acquire it. Um, so it seems like maybe since even the Link exhibition, since 1977, before the film was even finished,
1: that oh, the gallery... I was going to off and buy a block of land, yeah. actually. Um, and, Chris, <laughs> and Dick Richard said, Margaret, you don't want to sell that. That's your superannuation. So we must have had super by then. I don't remember yeah. it being in existence then yeah. in the 80s, but it must have been. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but it seems—I mean—it's incredible that it's an acquisition that's been over forty years in the making. I think it's fair <laughs> to say. So, is there anything else, Margaret, that you wanted to say?
1: No, I'm just—I'm just, I'm just um, worried about about the the future as well. I mean, mm. you know, mm. the politics of things—that the anti-intellectualism, the anti-art attitude of government at the moment. You know, they don't—they're getting more and more sort of not conservative in a good way, um, and that's really um, disturbing. Um, that it's funny because Chairman Mao actually said, you know, women hold up of the sky, and he meant women can be, be, be you know working just as hard and as well as men. Right? they are equal now, right? Well, we've come back to this. We've actually come to that point where women have to go to work. You know, you you don't get any government support after the youngest kid turns Mm. six if you're a single mother. And nobody pays women to stay home looking after their kids.
0: There There's a few things that you said the other day that I um, just noted that I thought was interesting to share that you said um, that you're uh, something like pleased that the series is still um, being looked at but that you're a bit sad that it's still so relevant and then you also said um, you kind of gave an, a note or an address to younger artists and you said you have to do what you think is important and that for you politics um, mm. you're very political and that for you politics will keep you mm, going forever. Uh, yeah. Um,
1: in Yeah, into into politics you know I, I, mm. sort of, I wasn't political in the 60s um, I don't think I was anyway, you know. I just was being, observing what was going on, really. Um, and there was very political, a lot of politics in America, so, you know, you were, pick, you were picking up on it.
2: Mm. And
1: the feminist politics, too, picked up on it. But everything seems to be so much more urgent now, you know, like we are facing yeah. Yeah. calamity, you know, and life on Earth is basically at risk,
2: mm. really. mm
1: so, yeah, it's it's much more urgent and pressing now. It's not just about what human beings want and need. It's about a lot more. Mm, yeah.
0: Mm. Okay, well, I'll say thank you, and it's so nice yeah. to talk to you yeah. and um, to you. have worked with you on this
1: display. And the curators here have been wonderful. You know, I couldn't have asked for better. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. um, no, true. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again, Margaret.